Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. <clears throat> Today we are privileged to study the final chapter of the book of Jeremiah, the book of Yirmiyahu, uh, chapter 52. And with this we will conclude our study of this incredibly inspiring and incredibly tragic book that we've been studying together now for a while. Um, this chapter is changes uh, the mode a bit. We leave completely the uh, prophetic pronouncements that have characterized most of this book. Uh, there's no mention of Jeremiah himself, and it may even seem this, the fact that the last chapter, 51, ended, Adhena until this point is the words of Yirmiyahu, it would almost seem that this was added on as a proscript by someone else. Um, it's uh, important to note that this is virtually, it's extremely similar in content and in words to the last chapter of the second book of Kings, which summarizes the same events. It's worthwhile for those who want to study in more depth to, to place in front of you a copy of this chapter and, and juxtapose it next to a copy of that chapter of the end of book, uh, the book of two kings, of Melachim Bet. But um, uh, I may point out some differences, but uh, I, the similarities and the differences are important to see. But this is also a little bit of a summary of some history. And we'll end off on a little bit of a uh, nice note, a little bit of a slight comforting note, um, which kind of s summarizes our feeling that we had throughout Jeremiah, that we read of a lot of destruction, a lot of death, a lot of suffering, a lot of sin, but there's always a thread of hope, a thread of, of hope for a better future, a possibility that things could be and will be better, uh, and we'll get that sense from this last chapter. So let's begin with verse 1. Ben Esrim, where some Ben Esrim viachat shona tzikyo b'molcho. Tzikyo, the final and last king of Judah, was 21 years old when he became king. Viachat esrei shona molach b'yushalayim. And he was a king in Jerusalem for a total of 11 years. V'shem imo, his mother's name was Chamutal bat Yirmiyahu milivna. Her name was Chamutal. And she was the daughter of another person by the same name, Jeremiah from Livna. This is not the same as Jeremiah from Anatot, who was the author of this book. A different Jeremiah had a daughter named Chamutal. She married, um, she was the mother of the king, Tzitkiyahu. Vayas horab Adonai, and Tzitkiyahu did evil. In God's eyes, just like his predecessor, Yehoiakim, did. Remember, his predecessor was Yehoiakim, because during the days of Yehoiakim, his predecessor, the anger of God was against Jerusalem and Judah until it came to the point where Nebuchadnezzar came and attacked and threw many of the people out of Jerusalem because of their rebellion. By that time, Yehoiakim himself, who had led this rebellion against the Ruchadnezzar, was dead. And his successor, Yehoiachin, was king for a very short period of time. So when the Ruchadnezzar attacked, 
Jehoiachin was the king, and he was sent to Babylon as a captive. And we'll get back to Jehoiachin later. Now Tzidkiyo himself followed the same path and rebelled against the king of Babylon. So the inevitable result of his rebellion was, verse 4, It occurred in the ninth year of his kingdom, in the tenth month, that's the month of Tevet, the Jewish month of Tevet, in the tenth month of the year, on the tenth day, which we now know is the tenth day of Tevet, which is the fast day, um, which commemorates this this bad event that we're about to read about. What happened? The king of Babylon came to Vukhadretzer, was his name, who, he and his entire army, Al Yushalayim, they came upon Jerusalem by Achanu Allah and they camped around it by Ibnu Allah Saviv and they built a siege works around the city, a siege wall around Jerusalem. And the city uh, went into a state, remained under siege at Ashte Asrei for approximately two years until the eleventh year of Tzidkiyahu's reign. So for the from the year nine till year eleven. Jerusalem was under siege, which is a significant amount of time for the city to hold out against a mighty army. However, in the fourth month of the year, which is the month of Tammuz, on the ninth day of Tammuz, the hunger was severe in the city. There was no more food left. There was no more food left to feed the people. So the siege had to end. The people had to capitulate. What happened by the the wall of the city was breached because the defenders could no longer defend it. And the warriors wanted to escape. They knew what their fate would be in the hands of the attackers. So they ran. And they snuck out of the city at night under the cover of darkness. Through the gate that was between the double walls near the royal garden. Exactly what this means is referring to... Someone at the time would have known exactly where this was, but a place that they were able to sneak out without being seen in the cover of darkness by the by the besieging army of the Chaldeans and Babylonians. The Chaldeans were camped around the city, and they went into the Judean desert um, in an attempt to escape. We know in that desert there are many valleys and caves and all kinds of places to hide. If you're going to run away and try to hide, it's a pretty uh, a good uh, plan. If you're going to try to get away from this massive army, uh, for lack of very many other good plans. Verse 8, So of course, and among the warriors was the king himself, Tzitkiyo, who also snuck out with them. So the army of the Chaldeans, when they found that the king had absconded, had ran, they chased after him. They sent out search parties through the desert, and eventually they caught him by Asiguet Tzidkiyo Biarbot Yerecho, and they found him in the um, in the plains of Jericho. The Chalchelona Fotsumeilov and his entire army just abandoned him and scattered around into the various caves and crevices and valleys and places to see if they can hide. While the king himself and uh, was captured by the invading army by Yitpesuas Hamelach. They grabbed the king, um, they seized him. 
the Blasa of the Eretz Hamat. And they brought him to the place where the king himself was camped, which was slightly north at a, in, in, in a city called Rivla, which was in the Hamat region. By Daber Ito Mishpatim, and he spoke with him harshly. This could also be translated, and he put him on trial. Uh, Mishpatim here could mean just he spoke, he, and he, and the king of was obviously very upset with Tzidkiyahu for rebellion, which was the reason for this entire siege and all of this destruction. He now had him in, under his hand, and he spoke with him harshly. And the verdict was as follows. And carried out as follows in verse ten by Yishchat Melech Bavel at Bnei Tzikiyol Le'enov, the king of Babylon then went and slaughtered all of the sons, all of the sons of Tzikiyol right in front of his eyes. V'gam et Kol Sarei Yehuda Shachat Berivlata, and all of the officers of Judea, um, he also slaughtered them there in Rivla in that place. Uh, the uh, Rashi brings a. Uh, uh, a rabbinic uh, legend uh, or, or, or rabbinic tradition that this Sarei Yehuda is referring to the Sanhedrin, the rabbinic leaders, because they had supported Tzidkiyahu in his in his rebellion. They apparently even the religious, the rabbinic leadership, did not listen to the prophet Jeremiah either, who counseled not to rebel against them, and the rabbinic leadership actually gave Tzidkiyahu permission to. Um, not keep the vow that he had made. Tzidkiyahu had was put in place in power by Nebuchadnezzar to be a vassal, and he had promised not to rebel. And the rabbis gave him permission to break his vow, and their punishment was to also be slaughtered at this point here by the king of Babylon. Um, this is the rabbinic tradition that Rashi brings over, uh, uh, Rashi mentions on this verse. That, and then after slaughtering his entire, all of his sons, and after slaughtering all of the rabbinic leadership, or just the leadership, then he put out the eyes of Tzidkiyahu, and he was changed in, in, um, in metal chains, and the king of Babylon brought him to Babylon, and he put him in prison, where he remained until the day of his death. And then, in the fifth month, which this is the month of Av, on the tenth day of the month, which is the, also the nineteenth year of the king Nebuchadnezzar, Melech Bavel of Babylon's reign, then, who was the Babylonian's chief um, general, Amadlif uh, Bavel he stood in front of the king with the king of Babylon in Jerusalem. So uh, the walls were breached. There was still some fighting going on. So this is a couple of weeks later. Now the entire invading army has taken over Jerusalem, and the chief general is standing in Jerusalem. It mentions the tenth day of the month. Of Av, which may surprise some of you, as we know, we mourn the destruction of temple, of the temple as the ninth day of Av, and it mentions it here on the tenth day of Av. How did this should be reconciled? There's a lot of traditions about it. Most, some, some will say that the the actual they entered on the ninth day of Av, but they actually burnt down the house 
of God on the on on the tenth day of Av, and the rabbis decided to make the fast on the ninth day. Um, also, there are other tragedies that happen on the ninth day. So when they had to pick the day, they picked the ninth. But either way, it was the tenth day that the following happened. Verse thirteen: By Yisroket Beit Adonai, they burnt down the house of God, Beit Beit Hamelach, and the palace of the king. We had called Botei Yerushalayim and all the prominent houses in Jerusalem. We had called Beit Hagadol, Sarap Peish. And the, the house of every notable, important person was burnt in flame. Or, or it also could mean Beit Hagadol, uh, every the, uh, important building of the. We had called Chomot Yerushalayim, Saviv. And they continued by destroying <coughs> all of the walls that surrounded Jerusalem. Notzu kolchel chastim, the armies of the Chaldeans crushed them. Asheret Rava Tabochim, those those armies that were being led by the chief of the guards. Umidalotam, and we just mentioned that the leadership had been either executed or had run to escape. So from those the poor people of the nation that were still stuck within the walls that were there, and the remaining people, not necessarily the poor ones, but uh, the middle class, so to speak, that were also remaining in the city. And those that had surrendered during the siege to the Babylonian side, and the remaining craftsmen among the people, the chief of the guard, the head general, Nebuzaradan, of the Babylonians, <coughs> exiled them to Babylon. However, from some of them, Midalot and from the poorest of the people, Hishir Nebuzaradan Rav Tabachim, Nebuzaradan, the chief general, allowed them to stay in the area, in order to tend the fields and the vineyards, to help so that the land should remain settled, the land should remain productive, in order to be a productive part of the Babylonian Empire, it made sense to leave them there, and we know what their fate was, those were the ones that ended up being led by Gedalia, and so on, we read those chapters earlier. Yet, now we're going to list many of the, 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 the structures and vessels that were in the temple, that were destroyed and or, and or removed, by the Babylonians and taken to Babylon as booty. This gives us a sense of the grandeur of the structure, the physical grandeur of the structure, and also the history. Some of these things that had been built in the days of Solomon, talking about going back hundreds of years, that are now, it is now being taken apart in order to drive home the tragedy of the destruction, describing the building and the items in the building helps drive home a sense a terrible sense of loss. And that's what we're about to start reading in verse 17. And the bronze pillars, <clears throat> which were in the temple of God. And the, the um, stands, and the bronze sea, this means this giant bronze water uh, 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 reservoir, uh, which was in the house of God, the Chaldeans smashed it by Yesu at Kol Vela, and all of the bronze or the copper was taken off to Babylon as booty. 
ואת המזמרות, ואת המזרקות, ואת הכפות. And the pots, the shovels, the shears, the sprinkling bowls, the ladles, ואת כל כלי נחושת, הנחושת, and all of the bronze vessels אשר ישרסו בהם, that were used in the temple services, וככו, they took them all. ואת הסיפים, ואת המחתות, ואת המזרקות, ואת הסירות, ואת המנורות. And the basins and the fire pans and the sprinkling bowls and the lampstands and the ladles and the jars and the pots. That which was gold was gold. In other words, the last verse 18 was talking about the copper or, or bronze uh, uh, items. Now we're talking about the golden items. And many that were made out of silver. The general Nuzradon took them all with him back to Babylon. Ha'amudim Shnaim, the two great pillars, the Hayom Echad, and the one uh, molten sea, is another giant water reservoir. V'habokar Shneim Asar, and the um, twelve bronze cattle, Nechoshet, Asher Tachat HaMechonot, that were underneath the... Um, See, there was uh, those statues of bronze oxen that upon which this giant uh, uh, container for water was kept. Asher Asa HaMelech Shlomo Levit Adonai that King Solomon made in honor of the house of God. Lo Hayam Mishkal in Nechushtam. There was so much bronze, so much metal that they couldn't even weigh and measure how much it was. Kol HaKelim when you add up all of these vessels. Amudim. And as for the pillars, each pillar was 18 amot high, which would be um, somewhere in the range of just under 30 feet tall. Its circumference was 12 amot, so it, had, it would have a circumference of somewhere around uh, 18 to 20 feet. And it's width, it's ba'ot navov. The metal was four uh, fingers thick, like several inches thick. It was hollow, in it, but it's just a massive amount of metal. And it had on top of it it's a capital made out of bronze. And the height of each capital was chamesh amot, was five amot. And there was meshwork and, and metal pomegranates decorating Surrounding the capital, Saviv Kakol Nechoshet, all made out of bronze. V'chaele la'amur hasheni, v'rimonim, and the same thing for both pillars. V'yiyu ha'rimonim, t'shim v'shisha rucha. There was 96 pomegranates facing each direction, um, or facing all the directions. Kol ha'rimonim me'ah al ha'svacha saviv, with room for a hundred pomegranates all around the meshwork. Verse 24, So this was just describing the items that they took of bronze and copper and gold. And the chief of the guards, so again, the general, took the temple, pre, uh, the leadership, the temple leadership. He took Siroya, who was the high priest, who was the um, deputy high priest, and the three people, that were that were um, that were in in charge of the temple keepers of the threshold is how it's translated. They took one a eunuch who happened to be 
one of the war generals, he was in charge of the of the um, of the army and he took seven of the king's top advisors that were still in the city I guess they hadn't run and escaped with those that tried to escape and the scribe of the uh, general of the army who was in charge of getting the people to enlist in, in the kings on the Judean army and 60 people from the uh, common folk, and the chief general took all of these people, all of these leadership, and he took also them to the king of Babylon, where he was in Rivla, um, where the king Nebuchadnezzar was, was, had set up his, his place. And the king of Babylon executed all of these people by Yigel Yehuda Me'alad Maso and this is how Judah became exiled from its land. This is the number of those this is the uh, I'm at verse 28 now this is the number of people that Nebuchadnezzar exiled in the seventh year of his reign Mishnah Sheva Yehudim Shloshet Alafim Yatsur Mishlosha, 3,023 members of the Judean tribe. Uh, these numbers don't necessarily sound the same as the numbers in this similar chapter in Kings. Uh, how to reconcile those differences is, is um, uh, not something I'm going to spend time on. Uh, but uh, the point is that there was a lot of people, Bishnat Shmona in the 18th year of Nuchadretzer Mishalayim, then in the 18th year of Nuchadretzer's um, ruling of his kingdom, he he then exiled another nefesh, another uh, group of souls, Shmona Meos Shloshim Mishnayim, another eight hundred and thirty-two, and then and in the several years later, this would have been five years later, there were still people there. This is after Gedalia had already been assassinated and most of the Jews had abandoned, but there were still some Judeans hanging on, staying there. But by this year. The chief general again took uh, of the members of the Judean tribe, Nefesh Shiva Meosar Boy Machamisha, 745 people, a total of Abbas Alafim Meshesh Meosh, 4,600 people. Um, this doesn't include women, children, uh, and uh, again, the numbers in kings are recorded to be much larger numbers. I'm not going to go into it. The point being that the he exiled everyone from Jerusalem, and there were no Judeans left. Now, this is we're going to look at verse 31. It's going to be a little bit of a different flavor. If you remember, Yehoiakim was the king, and he rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Yehoiakim died, and 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 his son Yehoiakim took over who was only a king for a short amount of time. Um, and, uh, uh, what, but, and, and he was the king when Nebuchadnezzar came to attack Jerusalem the first time. Since he was the king of, of Judah when Nebuchadnezzar attacked, Nebuchadnezzar sent him into uh, 
uh, exile into Babylon. He took him to Babylon together with many of the noblemen and craftsmen and so on. We've discussed this several times in other chapters. Now, but now let's focus, let's take Yehoiachin, he's, he's sitting in prison now in Babylon, together also imprisoned with all the other kings in the Babylonian Empire who had rebelled. And, uh, and he was just basically, unfortunately, wasting away in prison. He was a symbol of the subjugation of Judah to the people, the Judeans who are now in exile in Babylon. They always knew that their king, Yoachin, was sitting in a Babylonian jail. However, Vishdim Asar Chodesh, Chodesh, on the in the twelfth month, on the twenty fifth day of the month. Uh, Avil Nerodach was the son of Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar is now no longer king. His son now takes over. And Avil Nerodach, the king of Babylon, uh, when he became king, he raised at Yehuda. He raised the head. What that means is that he recognized that Yehoyachin was someone whom he can... Um, have faith in as a loyal person, and instead of leaving him to rot, so to speak, in jail, he by Yotze Otomi Beitakalu, he took him out of jail. This was kind of a sign of respect to the people of Judah, and as you can imagine, the people of Judah were in exile, knowing that their former king is now taken out of jail and being treated more respectfully. What must have been a very encouraging sign. Vayedaber Ito Tovot. This is verse thirty-two, and he spoke to him nice words. And he placed his seat He he gave him like an honor higher than the other kings that were captive in Babylon. In other words, he said of all of these, he gave him a position of honor, kind of like the, the head of the captive kings. And he took him out of his prison clothing and put him in more respectable clothing. And he gave him, uh, and he allowed him to eat at the king's table um, uh, uh, the rest of his life. And he gave him a regular meal. Nitnolo was given to him, he had rations given to him every day from the king of Babylon, each and every day, until the day of his death, the rest of his life. This is a little bit of hope showing that there is some hope. The king of Judea was treated with a little bit of respect. You can just imagine that what this did to the spirit of the people of Judah in Babylon. It said, you know, it's not all over. Our king has been taken out of prison. Our king is living a respectable life in the court. Maybe one day, maybe one day we can reestablish our nation. A little words of hope that is appropriate to end this book of Jeremiah together. Um, that despite all of the terrible destruction that we see, we're left with a little shine, a little glimmer of something good to come, which Jeremiah had prophesied about so many times, that the Babylonian Empire would soon fall. And as a result of that, the Persians would take over and that they would allow the Jews to begin to return and rebuild their land and rebuild the temple a second time around. This was a privilege of mine to study this book of Jeremiah together with you. Uh, 
those of you that have been with me the whole way, those of you that have only joined for parts, every single person, thank you so much for studying with me. I do feel as if we're studying together, and let us hope to um, always end every day, every moment of our lives with some hope, with some encouragement, with some good tidings for the future, and looking forward to continuing the study of the prophets together.